This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. does he still find fault? But who has resisted his will? In other words, they'll say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he purposed them to do? The point is, he didn't create them to do that. Though God used both Moses and Pharaoh to fulfill his purpose, both Moses and Pharaoh had the same heart at the time of birth. Every man has a free will, you see. There are people who will see where the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and claim that God's unfair because he created Pharaoh intending to destroy him. Pastor Eddie will teach that that view is a bad as well as an incomplete reading of the scripture passage. He will demonstrate that Pharaoh was able to exercise his free will when given a choice. He chose to oppose God and so he had to deal with the consequences of that decision, which was destruction. Well. Let's turn to the ninth chapter of Romans, verse 14, and join Pastor Eddie as he concludes his message. The Lord said in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, He says, As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. We're talking about the wrath of God. This is the Sunday morning that you're getting this. (laughs) We always talk about God's love and grace and grace. Can I tell you, saints, you you don't know what grace is until you understand the wrath of God. Grace from what? Mercy for what? You know, when you understand what you really deserve and you understand the wrath of God, then you understand mercy and grace. Perfect example when I misbehaved as a kid, and I was, I was the bad one. There were times when I did things, and I said, oh, boy, I'm getting this. I'm going to get it. My father's coming home, and after work, and when I hear those key chains, my father was, I don't know, he has so many keys. And I heard that. I said, okay, here it is. And I was scared to the bone, and I deserved the punishment. I definitely, and my father is faithful and consistent. He doesn't give, he doesn't give me warnings, number one. He doesn't count to three because he know by two and a half I was going to get it. He doesn't make empty threats. He always disciplined me. And this time I was supposed to get it. When he came, he says, don't you ever do that again. And that was it. He walked away. I was like, okay, that's it. I knew I deserved the punishment. And so let me tell you something. I wouldn't have known what punishment, what grace was if I didn't understand the punishment before. You see? And so we're talking about God's mercies, but we need to understand God's wrath as well. And so in verse 17, he says, uh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. And so Pharaoh was giving warnings. Warnings after warnings. You know the saying that even people who don't study the Bible know the Bible. Let my people go. It's a very famous 
saying, right? Let my people go. The Lord has told Pharaoh over and over again, despite the warnings Pharaoh received, he kept hardening its heart. 20 times is recorded that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. 10 times of which it began with Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so what did God do? The next 10 times, God hardened his heart. Now you may say, well, that's not right. If you understand the story and you read it in context, you read it in order, you find out that he hardened his heart. What God did when he hardened his heart, God just confirmed his, he confirmed his decision. I gave you multiple times, 10 times you hardened your heart, 10 times you saw the plagues, 10 times your land has been depleted and still you refuse to let my people go. You're a hard one and that is it. And so he hardened his heart. And so God just confirmed him. So he hardened his heart. And after Pharaoh hardened his own heart, God hardened his heart. When God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it was to confirm. But you see, God is full of love, full of patience, full of grace, full of mercy. However, just like with Pharaoh, there would come a time when the Lord would say, enough is enough. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord said, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Thank God that a thousand years is a day to the Lord, and a day is a thousand years. And so we could see that God is not subject to time, plus he's merciful, he's gracious, he's patient, he's long-suffering. And just as he dealt with Pharaoh, God will deal with those who reject his son, Jesus Christ. Even when we look at the great tribulation, when we study end times, eschatology, you find that this great tribulation, even in the great tribulation, chapter 6 through 19, almost two-thirds of the book of Revelation has to deal with the great tribulation. We find that even in the great tribulation, that there's God's grace. Why would God allow seven seals to be loosened why would god allow seven trumpets why seven bowls i mean it's like counting to one and three your parent says i'm going to count to three and if i count to three the lord counts over 21 and even in a great tribulation you see god's grace by the way saints we're not going to be here if you come to our wednesday night's class we'll prove that to you in scripture we're not here we're not going to suffer the wrath of god we're not subject to the wrath of god And so we see that God is patient, but he would not strive with man forever. We still see God's grace. God's grace. When Adam and Eve fell, God could have done away with man altogether. Right there in the Garden of Eden, but God's grace. God could have done with man altogether, but he caused the flood and saved the family to continue on. God could have done away with the nation of Israel after he delivered them out of Egypt. Out of the bondage of Egypt, out of slavery, he set them free. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ. So there were witnesses. We have Jesus Christ. And after Christ, now we, the church, are to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there will come a time when the church is not going to be here. And Jesus already done his thing. He came here the first time. The church is still here. Praise God for that. There's there's opportunity, still a chance for people to surrender their life to Christ. But during the great tribulation, it's not going to be any man. It's going to be an angel. An angel is going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's grace, folks. When I look at Revelation, I I see grace. And so we see that God could have destroyed them altogether. 
In verse 18, it says, Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom he will, and on whom he will, wills he hardens. Perhaps you heard this saying before, the same sun that melts the ice is the same sun that hardens the clay. The same sun that bleaches the cloth is the same sun that tans the skin. The same sun. And so to the same God who shows mercy to the brokenhearted is the same God that hardens the heart of the rebellious evil hearted. The same God. But see, God has given every man, every woman, every boy girl an opportunity, a chance. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. Grace rejected is grace denied. You can't get grace if you don't want it. The grace is there. The offer is there for eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 19, Paul anticipates the next question. But it's a flawed question because Paul already know this, probably a few clowns out there. Or you get some that don't believe in God and just want to argue this point. And so here it is, verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? In other words, they'll say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he purposed them to do? The point is, he didn't create them to do that. Though God used both Moses and Pharaoh to fulfill his purpose, both Moses and Pharaoh had the same heart at the time of birth. Every man has a free will, you see. Moses softened his heart towards God, while Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. But they both, at the time of birth, had the same heart. And so Paul responds to this flawed question in verse 20. He says, but indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing form say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? This is really a rebuke from the apostle Paul. Finite man filled with sin, evil, and darkness, ignorance, and weakness is in no position to question God and his wisdom and his ways. His ways are higher than our ways. We don't know all things. God knows all things. Man, the created one, has no right to question God, the creator. Whenever, let's put it this way, and this is something I have learned. I never question God unless I want to know something, but not question God in the sense like, God, why are you doing this? Or God, why? Whenever you put God and why in the same sentence, it could be trouble. Don't put a why. God knows all things. Be at peace and know that God has your best interest in mind. His thoughts towards you are nothing but peace and for future. And so we need to understand that God knows all things. And so whenever we put a why and God in the same sentence, we need to be careful. Verse 21, does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor? And another for dishonor. In other words, when a potter makes jars of clay, doesn't he have the right in using the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration, like to hold a bouquet of flowers, or to create another jar to throw garbage in it? 
The potter can do whatever he wants. He's the potter. All these jars that I've made, one is for flowers, one is to toss away the trash. Now notice in this verse 21, you should underline these two words, same lump. We are all from the same lump. The potter has a lump of clay. Moses and Pharaoh came from the same lump. You and I came from the same lump. Did God create us vessels of dishonor? The question is, God created us out of his image. He created us for the purpose of vessels of honor. I mean, God didn't create us vessels of dishonor. He created us out of his image as vessels for honor. However, when he created us as vessels of honor, something happened in the Garden of Eden, and you guessed it, sin. And because sin, through Adam, we inherit sin, we are born of sin, we became vessels of dishonor. It wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. However, by his love and grace, by his mercy, through his son, Jesus Christ, we receive the potter's touch. And he is in us, shaping us and molding us to be like him. His intended purpose was for us to be like him. Not a God, but to be created out of his image, to be one with him. That was his original plan. And if God is in us, would we be vessels of dishonor? Would we be a jar of garbage? No, I think not. Through Christ Jesus, we are vessels of honor. And it's all through Jesus Christ. God's plan was to make us a beautiful jar of clay filled with his son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, he says, what if God wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? We see Paul here is pushing the boundaries to make a rhetorical point. While it's unlikely that the potter would create a vessel And after he went through all the work of creating a vessel, now, I've never done this, but I've seen it before where a potter gets the clay and it's messy. It takes a lot of work. Would the potter create a beautiful vessel, a jar vessel? Would he create it for the sole purpose of destroying it? That's weird. So the same way, would God create us to bring on his wrath? We see here that the Jews understand this story of being a potter in the clay and they understand this very clearly here's the thing the potter made this beautiful vessel with all the work and how messy it is he most likely would not destroy it but doesn't he have the right to destroy it if he wants to he does have the right to destroy what he created you build a house a shed you can do whatever you want. It's crazy to, after doing all the work and spending all the money and the time and building something and then just to destroy it. It's really crazy. So here's we can see that God is beyond that. God is beyond that. In the same way, though God has the right to show his wrath, God is long-suffering. Praise God for that. He is long-suffering. He's patient with those who are prepared for destruction, those who are vessel of wrath. Who prepared us for destruction? It wasn't God. 
God created us perfect. God created us out of his own image. But who prepared us for destruction? Adam. It was through Adam who prepared us for destruction. And who are the vessels of wrath? The vessels of wrath of those who sin, who make them subject to God's wrath. Can you imagine? When you start thinking the wrath of God, I know some people don't like to hear about the wrath of God. I came from a real legalistic Pentecostal church. It was fire and brimstone. I should be a pro at this. But this, we're keeping it in context with the text here. The wrath of God is real. Can you imagine the sin that's in this world? My line of work before, the things I've seen just by mentioning it to some people will disturb you. The things I've seen, no human being are designed or created to see the things that I've seen. They can't put it pictures on the newspaper or they can't even film it. Now, my short time in that line of work compared to God, what he sees every day, every day what God sees in the secret places throughout the world for thousands of years, what God has seen, he doesn't sleep. He sees all things. Can you imagine? We don't know what God sees. Can you imagine the evil that God sees? Does not the potter at this point, when he sees what he sees, does not he have the right to destroy the vessels of wrath? We just see what's going on in Syria. Innocent babies and kids just killed for no reason. Children, innocent children. I don't know if you remember, we had Pastor Mike McIntosh here. And he works with the government. And the news, and he met with, I, I forgot what group of people, not in this country. And they were really, you know, amazed how America has kept silent of the things that they have witnessed. The killing of innocent people. The killing of Christians. Can you imagine? When we study Revelation, you're going to find that the angels who protected the waters, they're going to say, in other words, I'm going to paraphrase in today's, what took you so long, Lord? (laughs) See, you're holy and just. You're righteous in doing what you're doing. And because the Lord has been patient. So does not the potter have every right to destroy the vessels of wrath? Yes, he does. Because again, he is God. He is long-suffering. He's a God full of grace, a God full of patience, a God full of mercy, a God full of compassion. We see God's grace in the Garden of Eden. We see God's grace with Pharaoh. And we see God's grace in the Great Tribulation. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise. It's going to happen as some count slackness, but his long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not God's heart. It's not God's desire desire that any should perish. So this hyper-Calvinistic view is that some were created (laughs) for eternal damnation as The ancient Jews in the past and and Pharisees, they would say the Gentiles were created to fan the flames of hell. We already read in Ezekiel 33 verse 11 that God takes no pleasure in the wicked. 
And we see here that God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all, all, that's every single one, should come to repentance. It is God's desire to make all of us vessels of honor, every man, woman, boy, and girl. And how do we know this? How do we know that God really wants us all to be vessels of honor? Let's look at verse 23. He says, And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercies which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So we see God's grace from vessels of dishonor, from vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction by the mercies and by the compassion of God. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he has made us vessels of honor, vessels of riches, and of his glory, the vessels of mercy. God had that plan from the very beginning. And we still see God's love, God's mercies. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, we see God's love and God's mercies. And God made a way. And the way to Christ is so, so easy. He never made it difficult for one to come to know him. He never made it hard for one to be right with God. But I tell you this, it was hard for the son to go on the cross. It was hard for God the Father to send his son to die for us, to take the wrath that we deserve. That was hard. It was at a great price that the son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, would die for us so that we would be right with him, so that we were going to heaven with him. That was hard. And all we have to do is believe and confess our sins before God and believe that he is Christ and make him the Lord and Savior of our life. It is so easy. It is so easy to accept him. It's not easy to be a Christian. (laughs) But here's the thing. You won't do it alone. You won't do it alone because through Christ and in Christ, the Holy Spirit is with us. And that's what makes it easy, is because the Holy Spirit and God is with us. And God's ultimate plan is that we will be with him forever and ever and ever. That is the promise. When we have the potter's touch, his hands are shaped and mold us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves you, and he died on the cross for you. When Jesus was there at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, is there any other way? Is there any other way that man could have eternal life, that man could be saved, that man could be saved from the wrath of God? Is there any other way? Not my will, but your will be done. Because there is no other way. It was only through the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.